I had shrapnel. It didn't go all the way through my arm, but shrapnel penetrated both arms. A piece went all the way through my leg and they almost had to amputate it. And then I had L1 through L3 nerve damage in my back and had to have lumbar block fusion surgery on it and then treated for TBI, traumatic brain injury from the concussion of the blast. You are now entering a new paradigm. So here is my issue. I wanted to find the answers to life's biggest questions. Things like, how do I become happy and live with purpose? How do I make more money doing what I love? And what does it mean to be truly successful in all areas of life? My name is Josh Forty, at Josh Forty on Instagram, and I ask life's biggest questions and share the answers with you. My goal is to help you find purpose, happiness, and open your mind to new realms of possibility by helping you think differently about everything you do, know, and understand. On this podcast, we think different, we dream bigger, and we live in a world without limits. This is a new paradigm. Welcome to the Think Different Theory. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Think Different Theory. My name is Josh Forty, and once again, we have another interview today with an incredible guest. He, um, I was just talking to him a little bit before we happened on here, and I'm going to introduce him here. He's done more at 29 years old than I think most of us ever have or ever will, quite possibly in our whole lifetime. I mean, I feel like I'm not even going to do this much at 29, and I feel like I'm a hustler. So uh, I'm really excited to bring him on. He's an awesome dude. He is a uh, military vet, which big shout out and thanks to him for that. He is the owner of Redline Steel. They've done over $30 million in the last three years since their launch date. Serial entrepreneur. He's a husband. He's a father. He's got 9 million followers across his reach on social media. He is the real deal and a true entrepreneur. Colin, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks, bro. I'm excited to to, to be a part of your program, man. Thanks, I appreciate bro. it. Yeah, I appreciate. It. I reached out. Uh, actually, it was in the in the comment section on one of your Facebook posts, and uh, yeah. it actually it actually hooked it up. I saw. I see you got the ten uh, the ten million X award from uh, Russell Brunson and ClickFunnels. There, you've done all sorts of cool stuff. I actually uh, have two of them. You got two of them. Okay, so yeah. gosh, man, I'm an overachiever. <laughs> over- Are you the only one with two? Uh, there's actually one other guy. I can't think of his name, but I've seen his ads. Uh, he's, uh, he's one of the Asian guys. I can't remember his name though. If he said uh, it, probably would know uh, Penn June. Penn I think so. Yeah. 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 yeah contact big social yeah. media dude travels all over yeah. the world. Has a big Asian market. Yeah. That yeah, makes- I asked, uh, Dave and miles, uh, Clifford and they said that I was the second person. You're the second person. Now you gotta go get three. Be the first person to three, bro. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm thinking nine figures. That's awesome. So obviously you're involved with ClickFunnels. Are you an inner circle or no? No, no, no. but you've been involved in ClickFunnels. Is ClickFunnels what got you started into Redline's, Redline Steel or get, give us oh, a little wow. bit of background on, because I'm sure you have lots to talk about in your backstory, but yeah. Redline Steel is your current company. Super mm-hmm. inspiring. By the way, I saw your post about Redline Steel being on the side of a skyscraper someday. I'm excited to watch that. But uh, how did you get into Redline and where did ClickFunnels kind of intersect with that? Yeah, so I didn't start using ClickFunnels up until probably about 15, 16 months ago. Um, So we, uh, Redline was created based on me wanting to um, buy a piece for my son. That's what really captivated it. So initially I was just doing as a consumer. Um, I loved the product, fell in love with it. 
there was a local company, literally like broad shop. Um, and I saw a market opportunity with him. Uh, initially, it was just consulting. I just wanted to help him and make some extra money on the side. And it ended up transitioning to where I made him an offer. Um, I wanted a percentage of his company. I put very strict terms on it. I was going to fund the growth, uh, do at least six times revenue of what he did that last year. Um, and if I didn't, I'd give it back his company 100%. Any assets that I purchased, I would just um, assume uh, underneath my corporation. And then um, I wouldn't take any distribution or salary for 12 months, no matter what the growth rate scale was. Um, wow. So unlike a lot of people, I'm, I'm really big and like, you know, walk the walk, talk the talk, put your money where your mouth is type person. So uh, I wanted him to feel comfortable. And then at the same time, you know, it's got to be worth my time investment as well. So yeah. from a liability perspective, I don't want to be involved with something and it's not hitting certain KPIs. So I wanted to be involved only if I could scale it to a certain percentage or a certain amount that I put in my mind that was super achievable. Um, and if I didn't hit it, then here, just take the company, take I'll sell assets that I have to purchase. Um, I, I literally, but the day we were supposed to sign, so he agreed to all that. The day we were supposed to sign, he wanted to renegotiate the deal. And I, uh, I Dang. told him I don't do that. You know, we had an agreement, all the paperwork. I've spent thousands of dollars um, with attorney fees to get this all structured. And I just told him, look, you know, if you don't show up today, this is, I'm just going to be your competitor. Yeah. So he said, I wish you the best of luck. And I literally had, it shifted the, the paradigm of the entire business plan. So initially, you know, he was going to do the manufacturing. I was okay, wait, 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 wait. I got to stop you right here. Let's back up for, for the audience. Cause I'm, I'm new to your story as well. So I got questions here, but I know the audience does. What does Redline Steel do? What, what, like what type of steel company is that? So we manufacture wall art decor for your house or your garage, for your kitchen, things like that. So you've probably seen products similar to this sold with like Tree of Life and Faith Hope Loves literally go on your wall. Um, that's what we do. Okay, so you're like, Etsy, I assume, is big. Like a lot of stuff is sold yeah, on Etsy. Mom and pop shops yeah. do that type of stuff. But, uh, and, and that's where, like, that's what made me interested in this space to begin with is when I looked at the... When you're building out a business plan, um, you're looking at competitor analysis and you're looking at ease to entry and you're looking at, you know, ways to differentiate your business plan from everybody else, but then also taking commonalities of some of the largest stakeholders. And when I was doing market research, I noticed that uh, four years ago when I, when I was building out this plan, there was nobody in this space running SEO paid traffic to their website. So CPCs, were extremely low. Um, and I also knew that this could be a wide open mass market scale. And literally you can go into any vertical. So whether that's sports licensing, whether that is, um, you know, garage and you're catering to like more men between yeah. certain graphics or yeah. women for like Faith, Hope, Love, Tree of Life's um, infinity signs with like you and me and that monograms and that type of stuff. Literally you can dictate who your core audience is with the same machinery. And so I saw yeah. a complete uh, untapped territory, which is a true diagnosis of a blue ocean market strategy and uh, decided to go to market because I saw so much opportunity within that. So how did you, and maybe we will have to back up to your backstory here to kind of get to this point and maybe circle, come back full circle with the whole you buying out this guy or starting the company. But like you're in this, 
into art wall, you know, metals and steels. Like that's a unique yeah. spot to be in in general. I mean, metal, when people think metal, they think steel, they think, you know, big manufacturing companies. I grew up in Indiana, uh, right up, right down the road, like literally like five minutes from steel dynamics. Right. So, I mean, the big, huge manufacturing of steels. So like, I mean, that's what a lot of people think, but let's right. back up. Like, how did you get to this point? Because this would have been, you would have been what, 26 at this point when you first started? Yeah. About so 25, yeah. 25, I mean, that's my age. Building out the business plan, yeah. Yeah, sure. so like what happened pre that with, I know you served several tours, like give us like the, the, the caught up version of where you're at here today, like how you yes, got so to this point. From 17 to 23, I've served in the military, so almost seven years, like six years and like nine months. Um, did a couple tours, Egypt, Iraq, Afghanistan. I got injured in Afghanistan, transitioned out of the military at 23. Um, started doing fitness modeling. Um, I started a, uh, Facebook fan page and went viral within the first 30 days. We had over a hundred thousand followers on it. That's nuts. Um, and, and this was before Facebook started doing paid traffic. So it, there was no algorithms. It was literally anybody that liked your page when you uploaded, it was seen by everybody. So timing is super relevant. Um, and so I was able to gain a lot of traffic and you know, when you did your intro, you mentioned, you know, 9 million total followers underneath my umbrella. Well, it's not underneath just the Colin Wayne brand. What a lot of people don't know is that I used uh, a tactic of knowing who my avatar was, knowing who my audience was and creating liked pages because I knew people that followed me within this demographic would also love the content shared over here. And then I used that as an objective tool to uh, have other uh, social influencers share content that was on my page and I would share content on their page. So when share for shares back five, six years ago, were, they, yeah. they work, they don't work anymore. Right. But no. they used to work. And when they used to work, I would get 30 to 40,000 followers to my page, literally like in 24 hours. It was insane. That's nuts. Um, but it was a snowball effect. And so creating other pages while you could grow them simultaneously helped leverage my page where my personal brand, I wasn't sharing other people, but I would share them through other pages that had millions of followers on. Yep. And so what? I kept my organic look very clean. And that's brilliant, dude. I mean, and I, so many people, I just think missed that. I used to do Instagram, my backstory. Uh, I mean, I've grown, grown, managed 5 million followers or so. And that's exactly what we did. I mean, we just built brand networks around it. We had the fitness niche. We had the entrepreneurship niche. We had the, you know, luxury niche. Those were our three core niches, you know, like it could blow up any page because we had like 50 pages and you just blew them up. So, I mean, I totally yeah. understand that. Uh, and I love that. It's you just thinking smart. Mm -hmm. So like, what was, you get out of the military. My brother's in the military. He's in the army and oh. is like top of his class. Like I've never met a guy more dedicated to his craft. I don't think, I mean, he's like the best shooter in Indiana, where we're from constantly winning all these awards and stuff. And like, I've talked to him a little bit about what he's gone through, but you, like you've served on tours, right? Like he's getting there. He wants to do that. He's been in for several years now, but like, what do you learn? Like we're all about mindset, right? The military jacks with your mindset, huge. I've learned. And then sends you over there. How did your mindset shift from 17 year old Colin going in? Cause you're, you're from Alabama, right? Yeah. From born Alabama. And, yep. Born and raised. Yes. And you're in Alabama now. So you're a dude, you're a country boy. You're a good looking country dude. So like now you're yeah. over in Iraq. Like how does your mindset shift change over the world of who you are? Like your determination, does it make you a harder worker or less hard worker? Hate people, love people. Like what, what changes six years in the military and two, three tours later? 
So this is what's interesting, and you're actually the first person to bring it up, so it's kind of cool. Um, I volunteered for every tour. So I was always one for adventure. I really, so when he joined the military, I was also a recruiter. Um, when he joined the military, it's usually for, you know, about five different reasons. One is for the free education. Second one could be for you just need money and you need kind of a career opportunity. The third one is for family, like you have a long lineage of family and military history. Um, the fourth one could be um, like you're, you're an adventurous type person. I can't remember the fifth one, but literally like I, I kind of fell in line with several different things. I got an amazing sign on bonus, like $20,000. So I was like, hey, yeah, 17. <laughs> um, but all of my tours were actually voluntary. Uh, I, I, I went from different companies and volunteered to go into different battalions to literally deploy hmm. uh, where my brother served almost 11 years in the military as a captain. Um, he never deployed once. Wow. Um, so you just because you're in for long extended periods of time doesn't mean you're going to deploy. It's just kind of luck of the draw. Um, had I had just not volunteered, I may not have ever seen combat or may have never went outside of the United States, but I wanted to go over and beyond, um, I guess my call of duty just because I enjoy adventure. And then I'd also, um, I was a gunner over in Iraq, did over a hundred plus combat missions wow. and. I wanted to, I just wanted to serve. I wanted to do something different, live life on the edge. Um, I think some of the common attributes that the military instilled in me is those core principle values that are taught from day one. That's loyalty, duty, honor, integrity, personal courage, respect. Like those predominant values are the same thing in business that's going to help you scale and run and lead a team from a leadership perspective and then have those core values that your company can depend on um, and you can instill into those that are around you and within your network. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Do you mind if I ask like a more personal question? Sure. If you don't, if you don't want to answer it, I, I totally understand. You, yeah. you, ever, you ever kill someone? Uh, no, I didn't. But with, so one of the, I guess one of the craziest things that um, that happened over there, and I haven't talked about this, is other than like my family, um, we had I was over in Iraq. I was a rear gunner, and so my sector fires like literally six o'clock between like five o'clock and seven o'clock. That's kind of your sector of fires. You have four different trucks. We used up armored eleven fifty ones. There was a kid that that came outside of an alleyway as soon as our our uh, convoy passed. And he had an AK-47. He was no, I got, a, I got an almost eight-year-old son. He's literally in the room sleeping on the couch right now. He was probably about that age. He was small. Um, popped out of an alley with an AK-47. And I made a decision that I wasn't going to shoot him until he started shooting at us. We locked eyes, like literally just like we're, we're looking at each other right now. And he ended up walking back into the house or running back wow. into the house. That was my closest to pulling the trigger. Uh, and it was literally within seconds I was waiting because I'm in an up-armored Humvee. That's something I would have to live with the rest of my life. But looking at like the rules of engagement, like, um, you know, I was, I could have taken action and would have been justified and it wouldn't have been, you know, without yeah. any recourse. But at the same time, I had to make a command decision that like, look, I, I, I can't live with this. And it's, you don't have long to think about this. It's literally, we're locked eyes. I've got a 50 cal um, gun pointed right at him. And like, we see each other 
He's got it pointed at me. Mine's my gun's pointed, but it's all the, the, the quick 20 seconds that this took of us driving by and us locking eyes. It felt like 20 minutes. Literally. It was, and I was just, don't, don't fucking do it. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. don't. And you know, I was praying that this guy, this little kid literally like it, no, couldn't have been older than 10 years old. Um, I was praying he didn't, wouldn't do anything because I didn't want to, you know, to have to make that decision. Yeah. Fortunately. That'd be so so tough, dude. I mean, and that's one of the things like, you know, I grew up on a farm. I grew up, I mean, I was born in Wisconsin, but you know, younger years I lived in LA, but like ever since I remember I was on a farm, you know, more or less. And, uh, you know, my dad had four or had three brothers and, um, lost my older brother in a helicopter crash. But, um, like you think about that and you're just like, if you had to take someone's life, like, like I, I mean, could you do it in self-defense? Yeah. I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, like instincts go in, but like, that's something you, man, yeah. I give it to those people that can do that. I mean, cause it is, it's a tough decision. I know it has to be done, but you, you hate to see it. So that's, that's if cool he would have made any, if, if he would have shot at least once, it, there wouldn't have even been a hesitation. Right. Right. I mean, any, uh, there can't be, there can't be at all, but uh, that's cool. Okay. So, so you've gone, you, you go in the military. What was your injury? What, what brought you out? Yeah, so I was, uh, I was in Afghanistan, right on the Pakistan border. And um, think of where my base is. You're surrounded on all three sides by mountain ranges. Really, really tall. When you think of, like, you think of war in the Middle East, Afghanistan technically isn't in the Middle East. Afghanistan's actually in Asia. And it's, it's super cold. Um, during the summer, it gets pretty warm, but nothing like Iraq. And I've experienced both. Hmm. Um, Iraq, where I was in Basra, was pretty flat land and it was super hot, super dry. Think of a, a hair dryer literally just pointed at your face, and that's what it felt like every day. Uh, 130 degrees in Iraq, in Iraq, yeah. right? But Afghanistan, super cold, a lot of mountains just everywhere, which made it very difficult for mobility between base to base. So we had to fly a lot of the times. And so we'd get in helicopters and stuff. Well, we, um, where our base was, was at the foot of the mountains, literally all three sides are around us and they would shoot rockets in from us all the time. Um, so I got hit by a 107 millimeter rockets, literally about a three and a half foot rock. It's pretty big, uh, three and a half foot rocket. It impacted, uh, about four feet from me. And, um, survive with some injuries. I had, uh, I had shrapnel. It didn't go all the way through my arm, but shrapnel uh, penetrated both arms. Um, a piece went all the way through my leg and they almost had to amputate it. Um, and then I had L1 through L3 nerve damage in my back and I had to have lumbar block fusion surgery on it and then treated for TBI, traumatic brain injury from the concussion of the blast. Were, were you conscious? Like when you, after that went off, are you out cold? No, I was, so I was unconscious. Um, but when I regained consciousness, so when it impacts, so actually when the rocket went off, it was, it was dark to just kind of put things in context. So it was nighttime It's probably around like eight o'clock, eight thirty PM. Um, and I couldn't see my hand in front of my face, the electricity. So the gym was super small. So let me put this into context. We were at a very, 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 very small base, two platoons, literally less than 100 people. Um, and to put things into further context, 
not only did we get hit with rockets and mortars on a daily basis, our base got overran with Taliban twice just while I was at that base. So less than 100 people and we had Taliban on our side of the wall. Um, V-bids, vehicle-borne IEDs hitting front gates. Like, it, it, was, it was a rough, um, it was a pretty rough base. My uh, gosh. Yeah. And so I got medevaced uh, and flown to a helicopter uh, priority. And so we were firing back at them. They were incoming rounds coming in at us. It was literally like Black Hawk down. Two Black Hawk helicopters came in, flew down, picked me up, and then took me to uh, a base called FOB OE, which is Oregon East. Um, they addressed several of the wounds, um, stitched up my leg. I had trouble breathing, so they thought I had internal bleeding. Um, so they flew me to a bigger base that I called Bob Bagram, and then they um, and then they did CT scans and all types of different things there. Because at Bob OE, this was like a, a small urgent care that didn't even have an X-ray machine. I mean, they had a couple nurses with like that could stitch you up. But they couldn't do a lot of like this. This is not a hospital. It's right. literally they call it like a, a TMC, like a treatment medical center, and um, you know you you have no doctors there, um, nurses in consideration, you know, but nobody that can really assess and address certain wounds. So they flew me again, priority, uh, meaning I I take precedence over every other helicopter in the air. Um, and they flew me to Bagram, which was about, a, I think, around like an hour and a half, two-hour helicopter ride. Holy. Uh, and ended up... Uh, Do you, now, are you conscious during this time when they're flying you from place to place? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I'm totally conscious. So, so I re when do you wake up? Yeah. Yeah, so I was, I was yelling for a med. So, yeah, um, I was yelling for a medic. And it felt like 10, 15 minutes before anybody came and got me. So when I was yelling for a medic, um, you know, I, I could feel blood running from my body. I couldn't see anything. There was dust, debris everywhere. Like literally you could taste, um, you could smell the smoke, you taste it. It was hot. Um, uh, like shit was on fire literally like all around me. Um, and yeah, it was crazy. So I was yelling for a medic and what's uh, going through your head at this time. Like, are you like, this is it? I'm dead. Like, I'm dying here. Or are you no, like, that's tough because I knew, well, I knew I was, I knew I was messed up. I didn't know the extent and it's dark. I can't see anything. Um, but my right leg was throbbing. There, there was like high pitch ringing and, um, just, it was literally just all hell on earth. Literally. Um, what sucked was there was three other guys working out in the gym with me. They weren't injured, but I was yelling for help. I was yelling for a medic and nobody came and so you know looking back at it i felt a sense of abandonment one of the key um one of our core attributes of the military is never leave a fallen comrade yeah, yeah and so that's really instilled since basic training and you know we got i was working out with three other guys and here i am needing help and it, there ain't nobody there well where'd they go they just left they left they went to a bunker um, I had headphones in and didn't know that there was something going on. And so, uh, um, yeah. And so they, we were still getting bombed. 
literally, I mean, it wasn't just one bomb coming in. It was, there was dozens of them. And so they were still, you know, undercover for them, but I'm just yelling and nobody's coming. That's all I hear. So from my right. perspective, it's you're abandoned. I'm yelling for help. There's more bombs going on all around us. I'm yelling for medics. I can't see anything, which makes it even worse. I can smell fire. I can feel blood literally dripping from my arms and my leg is just throbbing. I didn't even know if it was there, like to be honest. I didn't try getting up and walking, um, but medics did finally come in and, uh, and carried me out. Actually, I've got live footage um, of them carrying me out of the burning building. So I'll send you a little video. Dude, that. that would be incredible. Yeah. And you'll see uh, two medics carry me out. I'm like limping and um, it's pretty crazy. So. That's nuts, dude. How did that? Okay. So fast forward, obviously you're healed. Do you still have like full movement of everything? Like, are you fully functioning now? Yeah. yeah. No, I'm good to go, man. So yeah. you, you get like, you're healed. You get medically discharged from the military, obviously. How long before you got back to the States? Roughly like a couple weeks, a couple months, like, um, yeah, about two weeks. So about uh, two weeks. And then I did six months of therapy and then I had surgery on my back. Surgery on your back. About six months all recovery time. So how did so I'm big into and this is kind of more like my zone now. Like I don't I mean the audience is gonna be listening, but now I have questions about the brain because I'm big into the mind, right? And yep. so like I've obviously experienced nothing like that at all. But one of the things that I started studying, I'm back on March 9th, my brother died in a helicopter crash. He was over in he was over in Kenya. He wasn't even military. He was just over there and uh, hanging out with some business exec. I don't know, like friends of his. He was successful in that field and um, crashed. So immediately, you know, that'll mess you up, right? I mean, you just lost your brother. He's got a wife. He's got a kid, a son, a kid on the way, and a son. Um, so, like, I started studying trauma, and you know, I've seen a therapist and whatnot, but nothing like this. What what happened in your brain? that you had to go through to get to where you're at today? Because you seem pretty level-headed now, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No like, doubt. what was that process? What did it look like to shift? I'm sure, mass trauma, right? Mm -hmm. Like, to shift that, what was that like? Was it super difficult? Was it easier for you? Yeah. What did you have to go through to get to the point where you're at now? So I think it affects, like PTSD, I mean, it affects people differently, right? I mean, what happened to me could literally make somebody suicidal, but like it's all, it's all your mindset and where you position yourself. What helps me is like staying busy. Um, so I got blown up ironically in a gym, but then I transitioned back to the gym after my physical therapy and that kind of helped mentally. Hmm. And then I, it was more of a therapy for me, um, where most people would be like, man, I almost got killed there. I can't even walk in. It didn't bother me. And so I try to not dwell on the past. I don't really even think about it. Like even telling this story, like it's um, bringing up stuff that I didn't really remember, like the taste, the texture, like all that shit's coming back to me. Like I remember, I remember it like it was yesterday, but I don't dwell on it and I don't right, really right. think about it. So hmm. um, I think what helps me even to date is that I, I stay very busy and I've, I'm very goal oriented. Um, I feel like a lot of people that go through difficult times and traumatic experiences um, they separate themselves and for, for extended periods of time, it can make it even worse. Yeah. I either one, some people have to talk to other people about it, um, to kind of open up. Some people reserve and keep it tight. Um, and it really just depends on your personality and how you, who you are as a person. 
like for me, that's just a chapter in my book. Um, I call it minimal, but it's not, you know, it's not necessarily just minimal. Um, I still am impacted and affected by it. You know, I've like, even from, from uh, the fitness side, you know, I, uh, having nerve damage and back surgery, like I can't do a lot of pressure on my back. So, you know, having limited range of motion from, uh, from the gym, but it didn't stop me from being a cover model on men's fitness and muscle and fitness and Ironman and all other stuff. So, um, you just, you learn to cope and you learn for workarounds, like instead of compression on my back by doing squats, I'll do walk, uh, walking lunges. I'll do close leg, leg presses. I'll, I'll do a lot of different variations. Mm. Um, there's a lot of things that you can do to kind of, uh, alleviate, uh, what that limitation could be. Okay. So let's talk about that real quick here. And then I want to continue with your story, but I feel like we, especially in America, they say easy times breed weak people, right? It's been a good run the last 10 years, I'd say. Um, what do you have to say all the, all the people out there that make excuses? I mean, because like, if there's someone that had an ability to make an excuse and be justified for it, like you were there, dude. So like all these people that are like, ah, oh, hate speech. Ah, oh, I don't have any money. Ah, oh, someone, like, what do you got to say to people that make excuses? Man, for me, man, it's just, well, you know, it's how bad do you want it at the end of the day? Like if you really want it, you're going to sacrifice and give up whatever it is, whether that's painful, whether it's traumatically painful to endure and keep moving forward. Um, for anybody that creates an excuse, like let's say you don't even have, let's say you've got a business plan, but you're complaining about not having the capital to go to market. You can find a way to make that happen. Just, just like when I started my company, uh, I was able to acquire a purchase order before I was even a company to begin with. You can Crazy. be creative. You just have to find the means to do it and then understand like this is the path that it takes and I need to do whatever it takes to be successful. So don't limit yourself on what you're positioning yourself in your mind. Like three years ago, this was all a concept. And now we've got 110,000 square feet, literally three and a half acres on the inside of this building, 15.7 acres on the outside. It's pad ready for another 96,000 square feet, but it's always looking ahead. And so my advice to people is that are hesitant on moving forward or making excuses. When I finish college, then I'm going to start a business. Well, why wait? Why not start it now as a side hustle and work your way into it? Uh, your best experience, dude, I'm a high school dropout. Like I dropped, I was emancipated. Most people don't know this. I was emancipated at 16, got kicked out of my mom's house and then joined the military at 17. So my highest level of education is a GED, but I could do laps around people with PhDs uh, in marketing just because of school of hard knocks, literally me testing. And when you're testing with your own money, that's when it makes it even more difficult. I don't have VCs. I don't have, you know, massive back capitalists that can, you know, throw money at me left and right to test things. We didn't do, we didn't do, you know, seed funding or series A and series B funding. Everything is bootstrapped. So you're self-funded. Everything's self-funded. That's amazing. But you can find a way, and this is in a vertical and a space that's, that's not necessarily an easy ease to access. But I say all of that to say, no matter what you're trying to get involved with, you can soft scale it and get involved, but you put limitations within your mind of what you can and can't accomplish. I love that. If you just get started, that's the biggest part is just having that, that 
driving factor that I want to accomplish this. And then also having an extended time period and goals that are realistic in your mind. Like my like, so this year we're going to hit over a million customers uh, through my my company, Redline Steel. Congratulations. That's That's awesome, dude. So, so my goal now, now that we've hit that goal is within 24 to 30 months, we're going to hit over a hundred million in revenue, um, from, from now. So, you know, having realistic and to other people, to the outside noise, you can't listen to what they think and what they say. It's going to take you getting to these certain chapters to prove to yourself that I can accomplish it. And that's going to take a little bit of time. Um, and you're going to have to have uh, there's going to be setbacks along the way, but that's what makes you your stronger. Literally, your setbacks are your setups, and we've experienced so much of that. Like I feel like we've lost more than we've won, but we keep moving forward and keeping that momentum moving forward, and it makes us just even stronger. Where a year from now, the worries and stress of what today is will be something that's laughable. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think we all kind of uh, endure that, but. You know, I think to answer your point, man, is just to to move forward and to not put caps or limitations within your mind. Yeah. What I always say, action creates belief. You know, I mean, in order for anything to happen, you got to believe it's possible, right? But if you just if you don't believe it, if you've got these limiting beliefs, just go take action until you believe it. You know, yeah. like it's yeah, yeah. or you're wasting your time. You started. Yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. Okay. So like coming back around, and I want to get back to the the story of right at the beginning here shortly, but. We got one more piece I feel like we need to cover because you mentioned it. Dude, you get out of the military. You are 23-ish when you get out. And then you're so, dude, you've been on the cover of 50 magazines or something. You're like a fitness dude. You're like the best looking dude in the military. Like, how did you do that? Like that in Alabama. You in Alabama. Be, okay. Bro, you don't have to be in California. You don't have to be in New York. Like, you could be super successful no matter where you're at. He's in Hillbilly, Alabama. Hillbilly. Yeah. I want to I crack a joke about Alabama. Boy. Don't know if my audience is going to be. Are you going to be offended if I, if I crack no, a joke? No, I'm at it, bro. There's a, so I am, I am hugely anti abortion. All right. Like I, I am very pro-life in, in every aspect of it. I think there's, you know, some exception for rape, maybe incest, but neither here nor there. There's a, there's a girl on, um, on Facebook, big show where I don't follow her, but I see her in her news feed named Nicole Arbor. And she goes, um, if there's one place in the world where abortion should be legal, it's Alafrican Bama. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's become the most hillbilly, like the most hillbilly thing. And I love, I mean, I love Alabama. I've been down there. I'm, I'm a hillbilly at heart. But uh, you're in the middle of nowhere, dude. I mean, it's like the least, the least possible state where you'd think someone like you could go and be a fitness model. So how does that happen? Yeah, it's definitely perspective, bro. Like there was over a thousand people in my graduating class, even though I didn't graduate. Um, so it was a big city. I mean, we're from a pretty big city. This is the second largest city in the state of Alabama. So, um, but yeah, to answer your question, the power of social media is super powerful and ways to leverage it in order to accomplish anything that you want and having that long-term strategy. And so what I did was I put together kind of a, a pitch program and established a rapport with not only just uh, the publications, I wouldn't just reach out to them, but I would establish a rapport with like chief editors and you don't ask right off the bat, right? You don't say, give me a cover and here's why, whatever, <laughs> right? It takes a little bit of time, takes some patience. Um, but I always gave value first, value perspective. And just like Gary Vee says, jab, 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 right hook, give, 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 take. 
And so establishing rapport with the right people, because it really is who you know and not just, you know, oh, I'm another good looking guy, put me on the cover. So I was able to leverage a, a value perspective. And so what I did was I put things into the embetterment of why they should work with me. And so I said, all right, for men's, let's say muscle and fitness, um, I'll work with you and never charge you a talent fee. So the, the, uh, any of the images shot, uh, I would go a step further and say, if the photographer wants to charge you a license fee, I will personally pay that photographer. Inadvertently, the magazine covers, or the magazine publication is working with me for free. Uh, in addition to that, I said I'll do four posts. One is a sneak peek, and I would lay out how we could do this, just so they could they knew that there was forethought. Um, and I would say, you know, I charge traditionally twenty five hundred dollars per post across my platforms. This is a ten thousand dollar value to your publication that I'm willing to give you for free. And then I would take it one step further. I have a designer in um, India, literally cost me five dollars, and he would mock up what a publication. What, like a, literally a mock-up of what it could look like to give them a visual representation. You know, 90% of people are kinesthetic. They want to visualize yeah. and visually yeah. see it and also hear it, but visually see it. And so that was my pitch to them. And it showed that I'm going over and beyond and there's absolutely no risk because I'm taking out any, any of the pain points for them. And anytime they would respond, I was super responsive. They didn't need to wait for any, literally with hours, I would make sure I gave them everything they needed. How'd you know how to do all that? How'd you know that work? Yeah, just instinctively, man. I just know. So I, I knew, so this is, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you've been on all these covers. You must've got rich. Well, you know, like I said, I never charged a publication, but the long-term strategy was if I can be on, you know, dozens of magazine covers, the credibility of this will allow me to charge a premium as a social influencer. Yeah. And it'll put me way above other people and keep me relevant uh, and a reason to follow me and the credibility and everything else that goes along with it will transcend times 10. And so what ended up happening is, uh, let's say, let's, let me use Ironman Australia, for example. Two years in a row, they used me five times. So that's averaging, you know, about four and a half to five months, they're putting me on the cover. There's only 12 covers in a year. So twice a year, and one year there was three times that they put me on the cover because I made it so frictionless and so painless to work with that they really enjoyed working with me. And through that, I was able to establish relationships because they're connected and they're telling their friends. And so if you can get in with the one right person, it's going to spread into uh, Iron Man Japan. Iron Man, you know, all of these other publications into different countries. And it didn't matter to me if it was Czech Republic or, you know, obviously I'd love the U.S. And I, I do have several U.S. publication covers here. Um, but a lot of those are for Mark Zuckerberg and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it's very, very difficult. Um, but I was still able to land several publications here in the United States. But, you know, I would use that same leverage tool. Um, and then you know, ask them for help after we established that rapport. Hey, man, do you have any friends over uh, in any other countries? You know, I'd love to work with them as well and make this seamless for them. As a matter of fact, I do. Yeah. Right. Because you've been awesome to work with. Why wouldn't they? It makes them look good too. Yeah. But that took time. I didn't do that right off the bat. Right. right. So I didn't even ask for anything until once I was already on the cover. And I 
completed exactly what I told them I would do. My four yeah. post rollouts, and I would report back, hey, we did this. I think we had great success with it. Um, check it out. Let me know. I tagged you. I also put it, you know, I would do extra stuff and go over and beyond. And so by doing that, they just really enjoyed thoroughly working with me. So that's awesome, dude. Do you think, do you think some people just got it when it comes to figuring this stuff out or do, or do you think anybody can do it? I think some people have it more than others. You know, I, I think, you know, and that's why some people need college and that's only going to teach you so much. I think naturally it makes sense or it doesn't make sense. It's kind of like if for not everybody's, not everybody can go on a car lot and sell dozens of cars, you know, a month. Yeah. But there's some people that can go on there and just straight dominate. Um, yeah. And a lot of it depends on your personality. A lot of it's goal setting, but it's all mindset. So do you think that each person has, like, I know I have a superpower. You've got a superpower. I, you know, I say the mind is the superpower, but like, you've got a, you've got an instinct for marketing. It appears right. Like marketing and networking and figure these things out. I'm very much the same way in, in a lot of those areas. Do you think each person, if they don't have that, they have their own thing or do you just, some people just have nothing at all. They're just like, now nah, you're just kind of screwed. I think everybody has a superpower. I think that some people just don't apply themselves yeah. and they get complacent and they get lazy. I love it. Okay. So I got questions post you starting this company, but let's get back to that. You've gone through, you've basically died. Holy cow. Like you get out of the military, you get back, you heal. Now you're, you know, this famous, you know, around the world, you're on these covers of these fitness magazines at 25 ish, 26 years old. Now you're ready to go into the steel business. Why the steel business? And let's complete the story of signing day. They go and they change their mind. What happened? So why, start with that. Why the steel business? Yeah. So um, other than like, you know, I mentioned I saw a market opportunity. I worked with a lot of companies as an influencer. And, and this was before. Now everybody's a damn influencer. <laughs> we kind of pioneered this space. When you, you got to think like before Facebook was charging money for, for advertisements, like I was doing this as an influencer. Yeah. So, and companies, this was new for companies to pay influencers a lot of money to be doing this. So um, I knew with as much money that I was driving for these companies, I can do the same thing with my own traffic. So why not monetize it? I've got a network in my friends list on my phone that's probably 100 plus million, 200 million, somewhere around, I don't know, a lot. I know, I know a lot of people. And um, I just... You know, instinctively, I knew that if I can make somebody else rich, um, there's no longevity in this. And so thinking long term, yes, I'm making six figure contracts and it's basically from multiple companies. I can kind of retire and not do anything. But where's the long term of this? At yeah. some point, there is an exit. At some point, they're going to say, well, Colin, you know, organically, your traffic just isn't sending enough to, to do this or you know, now Facebook comes in and, and shifts algorithms and, you know, organically, it doesn't make sense for a lot of companies to, 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 to go about it on the same. And they don't have the ad spend that they were spending yeah. at that time. And so I basically kind of had the forethought to um, just stop the influencer side, devote 100% of my attention to running my own business. And so um, that's where this fell in my lap. And I literally, I call it falling in my lap because all I wanted to do was be a customer. And it transcended to um, this guy had an amazing product. I'm kind of cheap, kind of. 
uh, like I was willing to pay a premium for this item. And um, the guy reached out to me and he realized who I was and was like, dude, I'd love to be at your level one day. And as soon as he said that instinctively, that's when we started doing some consulting. And um, it, it transitioned all the way down to signing day. And he wanted, he didn't necessarily back out, but he wanted to renegotiate and I don't do that. Yeah. And so, you know, he said, you know, I told him if you don't show up today, I'm starting my own company and this is, we'll just part deals on this entire deal and I'll just be your competition. And he said, best of luck. And that's, that's where we ended it. That's nuts. And so then you just went and just started, yeah. decided like, Hey, I'm going to go start Redline Steel now. Here we go. Pretty much, bro. Like I had no clue what I was doing, to be honest. Like I didn't have background in, uh, in manufacturing. I didn't. So, yeah, so you're a business model. Yeah, dude. Like I, I didn't, I'm not very good with tools. I'll be honest. I'm not a handyman. I enjoy the, the marketing, the building, the landing pages, the websites, optimizing, split tests, segmentation flows. Like that type of stuff is exciting for me. Everything else that goes along with the business has been kind of a, a pain point um, up until this point. Now we have some great leadership in place. Did, did you have a partner when you started or did you just oh, bro. hired it? It's just you. It's me. Bro. It's, me. it's freaking awesome, bro. That's yeah, awesome. So I, know, I went and bought, so the very next, so you got to imagine, all right, one day, 24 hours ago, I was going to start with a company that had already been doing this for four years. They already had. The, at least the manufacturing piece figured out, right? And so now it shifts the paradigm. Now I'm somebody that doesn't know anything about manufacturing and I'm not good with my hands and basic tool knowledge. And I now have to figure out this space. I got to figure out how to run this machine and where to get my steel. So I went and bought my first CNC plasma table, uh, which is about a $22,000 investment. Um, and I didn't have a place to put it. Like I couldn't put it in my garage next to the Ferrari. Like it's got to be in a particular warehouse zone commercial with, uh, you know, special power requirements. And, um, I bought the table, had no place to put it, but I knew that I've got six weeks until this table would be built. And I got to find a place between now and then. So that gave me a timeline. So I said, all right, I'm going to go figure this out. And so then I found a building about, uh, five days later, um, the guy wanted a three-year lease, and I told him that, that I can't do a three-year lease. Remember, guys, I'm always long-term thinking. about, it. And this was 5,000 square feet, so it wasn't massive, but at the same time, as a startup, it's a big expense. That's big, yeah, yeah. And it's also like you don't know what's going to happen because there's a lot of liability when you're first getting started. And so he tried to make me sign a long-term lease. I ended up backing them down to 12 months. And what I did was I structured a deal where I paid six months up front. Um, so there was kind of like a, a value up front for him. So then he didn't have to sit on it. And then, you know, I just pay the increments after month six. So I, you know, thinking and preemptively planning that, look, if I'm here within 12 months, I have failed. So why am I gonna why am I gonna sign a 36 month term if I know if where my goals yeah, are yeah. and I'm set here why do I want to be locked into a contract that I can't get out of and so preemptively thinking that from day one has all and I've kept that same thing we moved from 5,000 square feet the adjoining building 
uh, became available. Seven months later, I did a lease term on it. He wanted to renegotiate the contract. I didn't want to do that. So I made it where they ended the same time period. So I only had five months on it to so, so make sure that it was at that 12-month mark. Um, and I just paid the entire rent for the entire building. And so that's the only way he would do it. Uh, but I structured that deal. And then um, we ended up moving from 10,000 square feet into 50,000 square feet at month 13. And so that guy wanted a long-term lease. And I ended up, because he was, his building was vacant for about 36 months, because the larger the building, sometimes they can sit around a while, it was costing him a lot of money. And so I said, look, I'll do a 12-month, uh, I'll do a 24-month, but a 12-month commitment. 12 months on a contingency. If we need it, we'll keep the same amount of uh, the same rate. So literally like a 12 month and then a 12 month extension. Extension option. Yeah. Yeah. An extension option. And so, um, he accepted it because he hadn't gotten offers in 36 months. And so I used that leverage. Um, and so we ended up being there for, uh, right at that 12 month mark. And then we moved into this building. And so this this building is 110,000 square feet. Um, you own it, it or lease it? Uh, we have a lease purchase option uh, between months 13 and 36. It's already pre uh, uh, pre purchase price. So that's uh, awesome. How many people you got working for you? Uh, right now, over 40. But over 40 we, people. We've been over 50 before. Uh, just seasonals end up ended up being a little higher. So yeah, yeah. And we bought a lot of automation equipment that's kind of helped keep that level down. But we've shipped um, 4.8 million products in the last uh, 36 months. Congratulations, dude. Okay, I want to be respectful of time. And so I want to start the process of wrapping this up because I've got several more things I want to talk about. You specifically, though, bro, military, business, fitness model, all these different things. 29 years old. You're a young gun. You know, I mean, you're only four years older than I am. What do you think of Trump, dude? Yeah. So speaking of Trump, dude, you don't know this, but we got invited to the White House. Congratulations, so, bro. Thank you, man. So um, I- By Trump? By the Trump administration. So wow. in 2017, Trump uh, introduced national, a national week, and it's called Made in America Week. I did know that, yep. Okay, so uh-huh. every year, the Trump administration selects one company that's manufacturing products in America, and they pick one company per state. And so Redline Steel was selected for the state of Alabama. Congratulations, so, dude. Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> when do you get to go hang out with him? So July 14th through the 16th, I'll be in uh, D.C. So excited. That's awesome. That's super cool, dude. So what do you think of Trump, though? I mean, I know you get to go hang out with him now. Huh? Yeah, so I'm excited. So I'm, I think he's done a hell of a job for uh, the economy. I think he's done a phenomenal job with um, small businesses and businesses in general. Um, he implemented a lot of things specifically in the steel space, um, steel tariffs. My, my steel now is lower than it's ever been in the history of my company. Um, and a lot of that's because of the tariff restrictions uh, and the import taxes. So, and then also he implemented a fast track amortization schedule, which has allowed me to um, you know, fast track amortize my equipment because we have over $5 million worth of equipment outside of these walls. And um, I've been able to write that off the same physical year. And all of those policies have been through the Trump administration passing these laws. So I think he's done a phenomenal job um, with building uh, 
uh, businesses and, and, and really like trying to bring jobs back to America. So that's awesome. He's going to help. Where, where, where do you go wrong? Where do you mess up? Or what do you not like I, about him? I, I don't. Well, so, so this is, this is my one issue. My issue being prior military is that he's very, he's very hot headed and he doesn't think before he says anything. There's no filter and it goes directly from what, and a lot of times it's like what everybody's thinking, but it just goes straight out his mouth. There's a time and a place for it. And so he scares me from the aspect that we could go to war with somebody like North Korea or China from all, from just his words and his words and his, he does, that's my issue is that he's a little too aggressive and doesn't think before he says anything. And at times it's humorous and he thinks and says what I'm like thinking as well. But at the same time, it's scary. He's uh, the United States president, not you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I feel that. I feel that. What's the future for you look like, dude? You got this company, yeah, so, 30 million bucks in three years. You got some big yeah. plans. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, seven to 10 years will exit for over a billion dollars. Um, that's, that's the finish line. Um, we'll end up transitioning into other medias outside of just steel. Uh, we just opened up canvas and candle products, which is kind of expanding. Uh, we're also getting into collegiate licensing and MLB licensing, um, and acquiring, um, another company. Uh, so we're looking at our first acquisition deal. Um, and really, just um, once I exit, the intent is I'd like to build a incubator, but for pre-existing businesses, create a corporation team that is extremely well versed. So whether that's the financial arm, having some of the best controllers and the best minds on taxes and everything else uh, from the abatement side, I'd love to have and recruit people from Google and Facebook and directly the best of their crafts and literally put people within the same space. And then, you know, if I exit for a billion dollars, I'll have the capital to go and, and touch other companies. And not only just, I don't want to be a VC. I have no interest in that. Mine is more passion driven into what I can touch and create. I know the power that I can hold with once, once I can actually be a part of it. And so, you know, creating companies and helping scale companies that are already at a certain threshold. Yeah. So, you know, from like the, the startup to the four or five million dollar range, I have no interest really in touching those types unless they're, they have some IP that's super intriguing to me. Um, but I could see that being a huge uh, space that's more passion driven for me. You know, if I exit for a billion dollar plus one, I don't have equity partners. So it's a lot of capital that I can bring with. <laughs> So, you know, it's, it, it'll be more um, because I love what I do as an entrepreneur and it's just in your blood. Yeah. Uh, I think that that'll just be a really fun way to have a diverse portfolio that I can use subsidiaries and, and, and use them together. Kind of like what Mark Cuban's doing. You know, I mean, he does a hell of a job. He's got an incredible team behind him. Yeah, he does. Um, but I, I, out of all the sharks on Shark Tank, I feel like I align the most with him because you know, if you, he knows the power, once I touch it, this is what's going to happen. Instead of a VC mindset like Mr. Wonderful, where all he cares about is a P&L and a bank statement yep. and looking at royalties and not long-term thinking. Yeah. So, you know, I align myself most probably with him. With Mark Cuban. Cool. Yeah. Cool. 
Okay, I have a few um, rapid fire questions, more or less, to to kind of wrap it up here. We usually end with a couple. Okay. If uh, if you don't mind. Yeah. So, All right. So, would you ever run for office? So probably not president. So that's another thing. So I was looking at potentially running for Congress. Um, you know, they got they have elections coming up in 2021. I'm not ready for that, but every four years after that, um, which is why. You know, I don't feel comfortable answering certain questions just in case if I ever were. Yeah, yeah. My bad, bro. Uh, but it's, I'm not putting that off. So I really love challenges and I love to say, can I do this? And, you know, I've been a public servant before being in the military. We do a lot of humanitarian efforts, even with my business and charity, uh, charitable work. Um, so it's not, I don't think ever running for president, but I could see running for potentially more of a local uh, maybe, maybe as a senator or governor or a congressman at some yeah. point, uh, probably in that 10 to 15 year window from cool. now. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, number one book that's changed your life? Um, Good to Great by Jim Collins. Uh, I think there's a lot of attributes by taking some of the, the, there's, so it talks about good CEOs and great CEOs and great executives, how they were promoted internally. Um, you know, nine out of 10 of the great executives were brought internally and they knew the entire infrastructure, looking at some of the good companies, they, uh, hired recruiters and, um, they brought them internally. So I would say from a direct like business book, I think that there's a lot of takeaways there. Cool. Cool. Um, who's been the biggest mentor in your life paid or otherwise? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's tough. Um, I don't really have a lot, man. Dude, I, I get a lot of my knowledge online. I've never paid for an online course. I've never had a consultant. Um, a lot of it's just uh, learning and kind of what comes natural. This makes sense. So let me just do it. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, like, yeah. Um, my brother is a huge advocate. I look at him not from the business perspective, but he, <laughs> he's got multi, he's got three kids. He's a, uh, I was predominantly raised by my mom. And um, so I look at him as a good example figure for, for like marriage and having kids and being there for, you know, from that aspect. From the business side, um, I don't really have somebody in particular that I can mention. Just rock and roll. What's been the, in one word or one sentence, like shorter summary, what's been the number one key to your success? <coughs> um, I guess uh, direct focus, man. Devoting 100%. Everybody tells. It's, it's, I, for those of you listening, how many times? Like, if focus every single time, no matter who we talk to, focus, 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 focus. I love it. I love it. Okay. Uh, two yeah. more questions for you. Um, what is your favorite airline to travel on? I, I would say Delta. So I'm one of the few people that's, um, I think, I don't know if you Oh, you got a black card, bro. Yeah. So, ah, someday I'll get there. Delta. I love Delta, dude. Delta. Yeah. And, I, and you know, you, so Delta is my pick, but you know, for the Centurion black card, like you can't, I, uh, you can't, you know, go and request that to happen. So I actually did that same value approach and directly oh, really? on getting it. Yeah. That's awesome. I put out a YouTube video on it. It's pretty neat. Huh? Cause you got to spend a chunk of change to get one of those. Yeah, your net worth has to be over a certain amount. They do a lot of due diligence research, um, but we spent over uh, $8.8 .8 million last year with American Express. So they're like, yo, what up? We want to give you one of our black cards, as they should. 
Yeah, I had to direct approach them. Dude, at, at, even at that spin, we're still the low-hanging fruit. So That's there's crazy. less than 17,000 people in the world that have it. So it's... Um, and the whole world of everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. All right, last question for you. You are on your deathbed. I, by the way, I ask this question to every single person that comes on the podcast. This is always the final question. Um, you're on your deathbed. Actually, do you mind if I ask one more question before this? I just thought yeah. of it. Came to my, if you could snap your fingers and change one thing about this earth, what would it be? Or the world, country, whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I would say gratitude. You know, there's a lot of people, especially in this country. I'm talking about U.S. specific. U.S. specific. A lot of people that, you know, complain over petty shit. You know, spending years, several years overseas and, you know, Egypt and Iraq and Kuwait and Qatar and like Middle East Pacific, there's people that are lucky to have tennis shoes and to have sandals. And we complain over not having cell phone service or having bad weather and direct TV doesn't work. So gratitude for what you have. Gratitude and perspective. That's awesome, dude. I'm glad I asked that question. Okay. Last question. You're on your deathbed. Everything that you've done in life, every business, money, everything, it's all gone, like completely wiped away. However, every single person that you ever touched, influenced, or that knows your name, you get to leave them with one final message. What would that message be? Tough. Never thought about it. Um, I, I mean, I would just say live with no regrets and, and go after it and, and don't, don't you know, put timelines and just direct approach anything that you wanted. You know, to put it lightly, like, literally, like if, don't leave a stone unturned. Like if you feel like you should do, it doesn't matter. So for me, dude, no matter if it was, you know, being on a hundred magazine covers, I wanted to do that. I achieved it. What's next? I wanted, if I want to be an actor, I'll be the best freaking A-list actor you could ever imagine if I wanted that. If I wanted to sell this company for a billion dollars. I want, so my legacy is, you know, passed on to, if, if you feel like you can accomplish it, just go after it. Give it a hundred percent. I love that. I love it. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Guys, this has been the incredible. I, I don't even think that's a good enough word. It has been a fascinating interview. This has been Colin Irwin, right? His last name? Colin Wayne. I go by Wayne. Oh. So Irwin's legally my last name, but people, whenever you look me up, it's just Colin Wayne. Colin Wayne. All right. It's been Colin Wayne. Dude, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Dude, it's been great. And I'm glad that you know you asked questions that a lot of other people didn't. So I really enjoyed this podcast um, interview. Uh, a lot of times it's regurgitated information. So it was really neat to look at different things from different perspectives and to get asked questions. So that was a uh, big kudos to you for trying to dig up different information. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. That's what we try to do. That's what we're all about. And that's how we get some cool people on here because we don't ask standard questions. Yeah. So appreciate it. Guys, this has been Colin Wayne. Thanks, man. Appreciate you coming on. Guys, as always, hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different because those of us that think different are actually the ones that are going to change the world. I love you all and I will see you on the next episode. Take it easy, fam. Peace. Yo, what's up, guys? You've been listening to the Think Different Theory with myself, Josh Forty, which I like to call a new paradigm of thinking. And real quick, I got a question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message of positivity and making the world a better place is if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this is out on that you like my stuff and that I'm 
I'm doing something right. So if you could take like three seconds out of your day and subscribe, leave a rating and a review, I would be forever grateful for you. Also, I want to hear from you. I want to know your feedback, your ideas, and your questions for future episodes. So be sure to hit me up on Instagram in the DM at Josh Forty or via email contact at thinkdifferenttheory.com.